There's no way you lose when you go after a dream. You don't. It always leads to something better. Always. All right? Starving artist. I slept on a futon until I was 36. I don't fucking regret any of it. I was dating this woman, and I said I had a spot I had to go do, and it paid $8 at the comic strip during the week. Tuesday night, I went down there, and I came back. I tried out a new bit, and I was doing a... And afterwards, I was at home in my apartment, and I was doing this silly dance in the kitchen because I had a new bit, and I was psyched because I had gone through this period where I wasn't coming up with any new material. And she was laughing, and then she got a sad look on her face, and I said, what's the matter? And she said, I wish I had a job where I only got paid $8, yet I came home and I did a silly dance in the kitchen. The responsible thing to do is to listen to your heart. It wasn't hard to work at the shitty job because I was always thinking about the exciting job I was going to do afterwards. And every night that I just went up on stage and if it just went moderately okay, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe... I have to be honest with you, like... I, I, I couldn't fucking believe that I was actually doing it. That I was actually... I had a dream and I was making it happen. The guest I have today is a bit of a traveler. <laughs> and he puts to rest the notion that you have to stay somewhere, work at a job for 35, 40 years, grow old, raise your kids, and retire. <laughs> he is the reason I am here in Denver, Colorado. I want to welcome Dion to the Keep It Uplifting podcast, where we show and prove that the change you seek is possible if you keep going, keep grinding, and keep it uplifting. Dion. Yes, sir. Happy to be here, first of all. (laughs) Happy to be here, first of all. You can't stay put. I can't. And you don't have a problem with getting up and going. Where does that come from? Uh, I think it comes from the fact that um, I was very close to my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Uh, She passed away uh, right when COVID started. Um, And um, my grandfather, old school to the bone. Uh, He was a farmer, tobacco farmer. Might have been a bootlegger, who knows, as a still in the back of right, our property right. in Virginia, <laughs> but uh, here nor there, he worked hard and he was comp- he was okay with just staying in the same area. He never really wanted to move around. Uh, he was good with just building what he had where, he, where it was and leaving that area in Virginia was just not a thing for him. Uh, whereas my grandmother, um, you know, she passed away of dementia and Alzheimer's. Uh, she started to mention that some of the things that she wanted to do was no, move around. Right. And um, um, I made it a point to say, you know what? I'm not just going to stay around, you know, in my same situation for life because how do you learn about mm. other culture, other cultures? How do you learn about the world? How do you learn about this country? Right. If you don't, if, I, if I'm staying in D.C., all I know is D.C., Maryland, and Virginia, and I'll travel to Miami or New York and I'll, I'll get a piece of that, but, right. you know, you won't get to see much of anything else if you stay in the same area. But DC is it's where you're from. It's it's a it's a piece of you. It it's 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 it, it's exuded off of you when someone meets you, yeah. right? It's in your slang, your vernacular. It is. it is. Right? It is. So 
was Colorado the first stop? So, no. So this the funny story of how we found this uh, was, was kind of crazy. And uh, even with DC, is still different for Colorado too. People don't look at it that way. Like, we're, we're DC also, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but um, no. So before my, before me and my wife got married, um, during COVID, right? We um, you know we had a, we, we had time on our hands. I was, I was working at the job that I was working at, and uh, you know we weren't really working. We we're getting paid great, right. but we weren't really working. So. Mm. We decided to sit on the road in my house where it sat. Uh, people that know the DMV area, 70 loops around Right. when you get to that uh, little area in Cadenceville, right? Yeah. Uh, the very first sign that you see is uh, St. Louis is about uh, 800 miles and Denver, Colorado is like 1,600 and there's a couple of more stops after that. So my now wife and I said, let's drive this out and see where it takes us. And uh, we started driving. Uh, we just kept driving. <laughs> We would stop off at small little towns and, you know, you go into a bar, you know, you see people not like you. Then you're thinking like, oh, no, here it is. I got to get my gun. But then you realize these people are saying, come on in, enjoy our fun. Let's 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 all do this line dance, you know. Mm -hmm. So and it's COVID. So not a lot of places were open. Right. So, you know, so we get to Denver and, you know, you know, how you know, what's, you know, what's here in Denver. You know, you know what we're famous for as far as uh, the uh, extracurricular activities. I don't partake anymore. But, <laughs> um, so we get here and, uh, you know, there's one bar downtown. I, I, I love the name of this bar. They're closed now, but I love that it's called Sue Taco. They mm. cheated us well. The staff there was well. It was great. And uh, we started to drink and uh, partake of the extracurricular activities. And we didn't realize you know, you're 5,200 feet in the air. Right. You didn't realize how that hits you. So we thought that we can just keep on driving. That wasn't the case. We were like, no, we got to stop somewhere. So the locals said, stop out by Lookout Mountain. You can oversee the city. Um, you know, it's, it's a little rough drive even up there, but you can see pretty much everything in Flatland, uh, Denver, and, and, and all things east. So we drove up there, saw a little spot, and I woke up to the most beautiful sunrise I had ever seen in my life. Um, it was like, like uh, I'm, I'm asleep in the car and all I see is the sun peeking over and I'm sitting a little higher in the mountains and I'm like, man. So I joke with my my wife and I'm like, um, I can move here, man. And she's like, well, I mean, you know, fuck it. If you want to move here, let's do it. Right. We were joking at the time. Right. You know, but um, we kept driving on our path and then started driving back. We stopped in Denver again and it was just like, like the people here were just so cool, man. Like, mm. you know, it, it, it was just a different vibe. And, you know, we got back home and we were like, why not? Like, what's keeping us in D.C.? You mentioned your wife a lot in this this story here. How did you meet her? Uh, so we're weird. We met online. OK. Uh, we met online. And uh, my wife has approved for me to say this message. We were. uh <laughs> Uh, but this is back when we were, we were both dogs. Okay. We, we, uh, and she was a cat, I guess. Uh, we uh, we were each other's quote unquote side pieces. But okay. here's the crazy part about that. Um, and I don't mind sharing this part. Um, we've never told a lot of each other. Mm. Even when we were doing that, we never, we were like, yeah, I got to go home to my girlfriend. And she's like, I got to go home to my boyfriend. And that mm. was that. And then uh, it was like, I don't know, something happened where they were we both broke up with our significant others at the time at the exact same time. And we were like, fuck it. Let's see what, let's let that. I photographed her son's birthday party. Who's now my son, of course. Uh, um, and, uh, three days later I was like, you know, we never actually went on a date. Let's go get some Chick-fil-A. And, uh, she was like, uh, we can do that, but can we go get, we go get some cheesesteaks from this spot in downtown Baltimore. And I was like, you know what? Let's do one better. Let's go to Philly and get these cheesesteaks. And that's what the fuck we did. Wow. <laughs> we drove all the way to Philly. <laughs> 
<laughs> just for some cheese steaks. Shout out to uh, Del Sandro's, best cheese steaks in Philadelphia. Uh, we drove all the way out there. That was our first date. We went down, walked on the pier, and we were like, it was like, I don't know, something, it was, it's like it was supposed to be. Mm. You know, it's it's it's, a, it's an unorthodox way of starting it off, but right. that's the way we started it off. You seem really big on relationships, right? You mentioned your grandmother, you mentioned your grandfather, your wife <laughs> has now had, you know, moved you to <laughs> Colorado. <laughs> Colorado. Right. And I wonder if during COVID you had time to think about what you didn't do when you were younger. We did. We did. Uh, so my wife is a little bit younger than me. Uh, I think I have her by about 15 years. All right. Um, during COVID, uh, there were like, you know, everybody was sitting in the house and stuff like that. And my right. wife was like, there's shit going on in Baltimore. I'm sorry. That, that curse. Yeah. Like th- there's stuff going on in Baltimore like that we can go to. And I'm like, huh? She's like, so like, like there are parties going on. We, we can go out. So I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to relive my youth. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. go to these little spots, you know, that you got to, feels like you got to take three guns in there because it's Baltimore. But, right. uh, you know, I'm out there. And then I caught COVID for the first time. Very wow. bad. Wow. And this woman, even though she didn't live with me, obviously, at the time, but this woman never left my side. We quarantined together. And when it was all over, she was right there by my side. So I'm very big on relationships. I'm very big on, you know, if if, if I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Are you going to be there for me? Because a lot of people would have said, you know what? People are dying from this. I'm just going to go home. Right. She was like, you know what? I'm going to stay right by your side because, you know, the reason why I caught it is because I went out with her, <laughs> you know, you know, trying to party. And right, right, uh, right. she was right there by my side. She, she took care of everything for me. And, um, and there's, we can get to into more about what she's done to kind of lead up to that portion of it. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, she's big on her family too. Her family is her, it's, it's, you know, every morning she's talking to her mother, like every day and her mother's in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So that part of life is important to me, like, because you know, family's going to be family forever. So I hold on to those. What do you think makes you want to relive your childhood? No, maybe not relive. Just did you lose some? Did you lose some younger years at all? Uh, I think I lost a lot of younger. Years. So I, I wasted my twenties by working and not traveling. Okay. Uh, if 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 I had to tell the world, if anybody that's coming up nineteen twenty or what have you, that career can come at thirty. Live your life at twenty. Mm. You know what I mean? Live your life at twenty because um, when you get thirty, there are certain things you can't do at third in your thirties, typically that you can't, that you can't in your four in your twenties, you know, like, uh, I, I love, I found a love in mountain climbing, right? Well, not mountain climbing, but at least doing these hikes. Uh, I'm at 42 right now. I'm not climbing Mount Everest. I would love to, <laughs> but that's something that I would have done at 23. Right. Right. But right. I never thought of it because I was working, trying to build and for, for me. And because that's what was put in us like, Hey, you gotta have, you gotta get this job. You gotta, make this money as a man, this, that, and the third. But I would have definitely, if I had to do it all over again, I would have started to at least travel in my 20s. Right. And then in the 30s, that's when you start to settle down where I'm kind of flipping that. Right. So I I'm, I I got to where I wanted to be in my 20s. And then I'm like, you know what? Let's start traveling now in my 40s. Right, right, <laughs> you know, right. so. I mean, we we all have our wild years, right? Yeah, we, yeah. we both know that. But <laughs> were there any other motivating factors for you to work that hard in your twenties? Um, I didn't, I didn't know my father. I didn't meet him until six months ago. We'll, I guess maybe we'll get into that later, but uh, I didn't meet him until six months ago. So my uncles played a big part of my life. And I'm going to say, uh, I got a shout out to my uncle Keith. His name is Keith Caldwell. He's uh-huh. my uncle by marriage, but I've known him all my life. Like 
you know. And um, he was like a father figure to me. And uh, he stressed the idea of work and the value of family. And here's the caveat. He doesn't have any kids, never did. So, but he treated me like his, you know, I used to go out there for summers. I used to call myself the Fresh Prince of Cincinnati because, you know, they had a little money and right. stuff like that. Right. But uh, I, tri- I attribute that work ethic to him right. because it's just him and his wife, but he grinded. And here's the thing. I'm 42 now. He retired from his job at 45. Hasn't worked since. He's 63. Right. But you have kids, right? I have kids. And how old were you when you had your first child? So the first child that I, so the first that I knew about. I was 30. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I have, I have two daughters and a son. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my, the daughter that lives with me full time, her name is Ashley. She is 12, about to be 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found out about a daughter that I had from Florida, uh, like a year into, almost a year into, you know, that. So I'm like, well, wait, what? And I guess I can, I can tell that story. Yes. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so I'm coming to my, my aunt calls me and says that uh, you got something from the sheriff's office. And I'm like, Oh, okay, let me go see what this is. Cause I, my, my address when I was in Maryland, I had my own house, but I sent everything there because you know that's my, my that's aunt. just what we do. So my mail still goes, there. but yeah, so, my, uh, some yeah. of my mail still goes to my mom's yeah, house. Yeah. Call, yeah. So, <laughs> so I get this piece of mail and, uh, you know, if, if anybody's ever gone through this, uh, you have two options when you get a, something from, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, for paternity. They say, hey, start paying child support or you can get tested to see if this is your child. So obviously you're going to be like, yeah, I got to go get tested. Let, right, me go, right. let me go test that. So it was a shock. I was like, you know what? Let me test that. Let me, let me see what's going on. And um, I received, I was with my youngest daughter's mother at the time. I received the paperwork, bad timing, uh, the day before Valentine's Day. Wow. Um, and I didn't even tell her about it because I'm like, this is not my child. Like I'm. I'm not worried about this. It's not my child. Like a wild weekend in Florida. Come on now. And how does she even know my real name? I, I went by, I went by Sean. I went by Sean or Deshaun Stevenson back in those days. Like, yes, I, I, that's what I did. So I, um, I, uh, opened up the mail and, uh, for those that know, it's either a hundred percent not yours or a 99.9999, whatever yours. So right. I opened it up. I'm like, Oh yeah, 99.999%. You are the father. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so I start opening up. I look at it. I, funny story. Uh, uh, that child was born uh, July 10th, 2004. The daughter that I was raising was born July 10th, 2010. So they were born the same day, just different years. I don't, you know, I guess I'm magic like that. But, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and um, I was like, wow. So, you know, but through the power of social media, you can always find somebody in like two minutes. So I right. went on Facebook, found, uh, found her mother, and um, we started talking, and she let me talk to my daughter. And, uh, when, she, and when I talked, and when I talked to her, I was like, man, she looks like me. Like she, she, she looks like me. And she was so happy to talk to me that we started, I forgot what the apps were back in 2011 for video chatting. We started chatting. Skyping, probably. Sky, yeah. And, uh, it was that, that little orange, Uvu, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, Uvu, <laughs> I think it was Uvu. And um, we started talking and um, funny story. So she, at that time she was living in Sanford, uh, um, um, Sanford, Florida. Um, and, um, I had tickets that year to go to the NBA all-star game in Orlando, like the following week. And I had to tell my buddy, like, I can't go because I can't warrant going out there, you know, uh, seeing, uh, seeing a basketball game when I have a daughter that I need to spend time with. So I sold those tickets. Mm. Um, me and my daughter kept talking and I talked to her mother and we ended up, uh, surprising, you know, doing a little surprise. I, I was driving down, I was communicating with her mother and I, um, uh, I remember the, I know I'm getting a little deep here, but I remember the first, 
the time I, I saw my, I knock on the door and her mother answered the phone and she's like, Hey, Amira, you got somebody here to see you. And she's like, what? Who is it? I don't want to go outside. And she's like, no, you want to come see this. So she uh, came out the room and she looked at me and I'm like, I'm probably going to tear up here, but she said, daddy. And she ran, gave me the biggest bear hug that, um, that one can imagine. Yeah. And for that weekend, me and her, we lived it up. We drove out to Daytona beach. We, we just, we just did so much that weekend and it was a shame. Like leaving was the hardest thing, but I told her I'll be back and uh, I actually came back and got her and she stayed with me for four years. So, wow. after that. so you know, so yeah. So I, I, you know, finding out about more children like that, that also helped with the focus. That wasn't the original focus at first, but then as you grow, you start realizing like you got to do it for your kids. And right. I, I didn't know my father growing up. I knew uncles that were good parents to their children i knew a grandfather that had right. seven and you were talking two. about just meeting your father right yeah i was just talking about yep yep so what is the story behind that so uh my father reached out to my mother a few like a long time ago on facebook and i told him don't bother my mother leave us to bleep alone we only only nothing from you and um this wasn't ready to meet him. This I was probably right. Right, it's right when I started. When I had my daughter, she had just became. I'm like, I'm a father. I'm gonna show the world. I'm a father. You don't need to know what's going on in my life. Um, he got sick, and I. It was communicated back to me that he was deceased, and I was like, okay, cool. I don't care. You understand? Um, this year, I have, a, I have a, one of my best my best friend actually. His name is Dion. Also, um, we posted a picture on social media. Uh, me and a couple of our buddies, and a coworker of his was like, uh, "This is gonna sound crazy, but." Um, I don't know how I, I, that guy you're in your photo. He doesn't know me, but that's my big brother. Huh. And I'm like, and she, well, she was like um, telling him like, is there a way I can reach out to him? Cause I don't want to just call him and say, Hey, so my, my friend reached out to me. He's like, you know what? I have the weirdest story for you, but this girl that I work with, she says she's your sister. So I'm like, all right, I hear her out because I know I knew my father was a rolling stone, you know, so it is what it is. So right. um, I um, reached out to, uh, her, we we had a great con. We we're like she's she's like three years younger than me. Like we we're like twins, realistically. And um, she was like, uh, yeah, her dad, her, her father is that her father. He raised her, right? But she told me that he had seven other kids, all by different women. Every last one of them. Uh, me and her are the two youngest. So my mom, he he evidently he left my mother for her mother. And they got married in the divorce now, but they got married. So that, you know, that's back in the day. But, uh, and he, she was like, uh, he would love to meet you, but he understand, he understood if I didn't want to meet him because he remembers the interaction. And he was like, you know what? I see him through social media. My social media isn't blocked. So I see him through social media. He's living a good life. He's raising his kids, his family. Me coming in the picture might hinder something. So I'm okay. Just watching him from afar. And, um, we, we had a we we had a you know through, it was through Facebook at or no, through a, a FaceTime at first uh, they they all had a function all my brothers and sisters were there at a function and we started talking and uh, I was like you know what I'm 42 years old now um, my family's good um, we can we can possibly meet so about three weeks later you know I like to go so we 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 packed up the uh, truck and we drove to Maryland and um, when I finally met my father he gave me the biggest hug and and my father you could you could tell about a man he, he not he's not a crying man he was he 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 pulled me to the side because he didn't want to do all this in front of everybody else you know he, he's he's a private man he's he, he he was crying he's like man i've waited so long to see you i thought i would never see you he was like this just made 
my life complete because even though he didn't know me, he knew his other children. He just didn't know me because my family is like, if the man ain't going to be around, we got this. That's how my family is. So um, meeting him mm-hmm. and actually spending time and now talking to him was a, and we talk, like every time I come to Maryland, I make sure I spend like a day with him. Um, it kind of completed the whole cycle. And um, I can now say, you know, my mom, she wasn't happy at first, but, you know, I can finally say stuff like mom and dad. And I I see me, my children calling me mom and dad, my, my, well, my children calling me dad. Like that is the biggest uh, rush. Like yeah. daddy, daddy. Now, I'm not going to call him daddy because I'm a grown ass man, but being able to say pops, being able right. to say dad, being able to call, I've even called him about some life advice, you know, about me and my wife, you know, because he's been married like a hundred times. So, so, uh, you know, talking to him, you know, somebody I can actually go to that's not an uncle, not an aunt, that's not going to be biased to the situation because their blood is somebody that is my father but doesn't really know me and he can have a biased opinion about the situation. So it was, it was, like, a, it was like a complete, I, I'm, I'm complete as a human, if that makes any sense. So. <laughs> you mentioned that your mom wasn't happy about it and my, mom, my mother never told me any stories about my father or any bad stories. I had to find out for myself. But when you for lack of a better word, lashed out on your father when you were younger. Do you think any of that had to do with whatever story your mother told you? It's the story my entire family told me. Now, uh, I always tell people there's two sides of every story, uh, but I didn't listen to that in this situation. You know, um, I know my family and, you know, I go off of logic more than anything else. You know, if this man, even though he wasn't like father of the year to all his children, he knew all his children, you know, and him not knowing me. And I talked to my mother about it. I'm like this, you know, I'm not going to get mad at you or mad at the family, but I, I understand why you guys did what you did. But I, cause looking at his address, he's been at the same house for almost 40 years. Right. That and shows stability. It shows, shows a little stability. And true story about him, uh, Anacostia Liquors. You remember Anacostia Liquors that you owned for DC? He was the original owner of that. First black-owned liquor store. Yeah, he was the original owner of that. Wow. Now, of course, I'm like, well, mom, shit. I should be getting child support. Like, I'm, I'm, my, my friends have Jordans, and I have XJ900s from Payless, the fake joints. Like, you could at least hit the man up for some child support, but because uh, he, he could be found easily. Right, right. But, uh, you know, they did what they did for a reason. And, uh, you know, my mother and him, my mother and my father, they've talked now. They, 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 don't, talk, they don't call each other. If I'm around, they'll talk, and they'll be cordial. And my, and my father... He he has good things. He he's never he's never said anything bad about my father about my mother. Um, he just said that things didn't work out. You know how right, old country right. folk are. They're not really going to talk about it. But my right. mother she'll say yeah he's piece of piece of piece of shit. Right. But looking at it, I don't I don't. He was just a, he was just a. He, it, let me let me back up. He didn't know his father either. Mm. So um, sometimes it's just hard. Like I wanted to be different, but then I wanted to be different because. I saw my grandfather raise seven kids. I saw my uncles, my, my blood uncles raise their children. And I wanted to kind of be like that. Right. And all, we discussed the importance of fathers off camera. <laughs> yeah. Do you believe that is the absolute motivation for you to be yeah. a father and at one time a single father? Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, I think that uh, having a seed and having somebody that is you, uh, for lack of better terms, this is you know I, I joke around with my my daughter all the time. Like you know, you came from my balls, right? She hates that shit. 
<laughs> but uh, I'm like, you you were me. Like, I created you, and of course, right. you know, your mother had you, but at the end of the day, I think um, seeing yourself and your daughter, and I finally now have a, a, a son. Well, I have some of my daughter, my wife, and I have a son that me and her had together. Uh-huh. Um, and you see these children, and they emulate you. Like my my stepson, who like who who you be, you reminded me before this, like that's your stepson, but that's your son because you're married. I'm like, you're right. Both of these children, as soon as I walk in the door, <laughs> they're looking to see, oh, what's dad doing? Right. And they're trying to follow whatever I'm doing. They do, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just watching these kids follow me. And then my daughter, she has so many views like I have. Like she, my daughter sees the, my my middle daughter. My she sees the good me. Uh-huh. Like you know that that question that people say, would you want your daughter to marry you? I'm like, yeah. The, 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 what she sees of me, yeah, not. The actual me, but what she sees in me, yes, I want her to be. I want her to find somebody as responsible as me, and I take pride in that. You know what I'm saying? Because I I spoke at my grandmother's eulogy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at, at her funeral. I did the eulogy at my grandmother's funeral, which was tough. As her, and she has a lot of grandkids, but I was the one chosen. And uh, my kids are going to be there, just like just like that for me. They're going to be like, I want, I, I need them to say when I'm sitting in that casket, this man did what he did for us. He he sacrificed a lot for us, and whenever it was needed, he was there. There's this term that's been floating around since 2020, and I wanted to ask you about it because, you know, we're here in the studio, right, in Denver, Colorado, <laughs> bunch of cameras around, bunch <laughs> of lighting around, and a lot of people talk about generational wealth, uh-huh. right? And I actually don't believe in that. I don't either. Oh, wow. So, so I wanted to know what your thoughts were on generational wealth. I feel, you back this up. If I won the lottery tomorrow for a hundred million dollars, I'll put away about a million for each kid, but I'm blowing the rest. I'm blowing the rest. Or if I earn that, I'm blowing the rest. Here's the why. (laughs) Any child that's born now has more of an advantage or more of yeah, more of an advantage than I did, you did, or anybody that's in our age bracket, just like we had more of an advantage coming from our parents, you know? And I feel kids that are given everything Ugh. up front, they end up being pieces of shit. Like, it just isn't, they don't have any values for anything. They don't work hard for anything. My daughter is, um, my, my middle child, when I said, 12 years old, uh, she's like, dad, when can I work? I'm like, babe, you gotta wait a few years. But I, but but I think I can get this job at this amusement park. No, you can't, baby. You can't work there. You're not old enough yet. What that tells me is is that when she's of age to work, she's going to work. She doesn't know this. I'm going to buy her her car, uh-huh. but I'm going to charge her the money that I pay for it and then save it for her for her college fund. Uh-huh. And then when she gets to college, I know she's going to work. When she gets out of college, I know she's going to work. You, you know what I'm saying? She's going to try to be a successful person in this world one way or the other. Uh-huh. If I had generational wealth... They don't value anything. They don't value 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Right. They're like, daddy, you have it. You had it. Why don't you have it now? You know? So, yeah, I, I'll tell this to anybody. Don't save the money for them for them kids. Let them kids <laughs> figure it out for themselves. Now, go bail them out if they need help. Right, right, but right. let them figure it out on their own. Let, let them create their own path. Don't create the path for them. Well, I believe, I don't believe in generational wealth because it doesn't last generations. Ah. You know, if you, let's say you did hit the lottery. You gave your kids all of that money. It may make it to the next generation, but a lot of times kids don't know what to do with it. Nope. So you being an entrepreneur and you talking about your daughter, 
wanting to work. Why haven't you told her earn your own money? Well, she can't now. She's twelve. But um, I, oh, lemonade oh, I, stand. I, I see what you're saying. I see. I see what you're saying. Now, I have told her that um, you whatever you want to do, I'll support it. Mm-hmm. So to say, um, we haven't gotten to the point of her owning her own business just yet or doing that. So that's mm-hmm. something that's definitely coming. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, in, it's in the works. Uh, my oldest daughter, I love her to death, but you know, because I had to give her back to her mother, I, I'm, I'm also let's just say I'm also a grandfather too. Uh, so congratulations! She, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell the world. I'll tell the world. My, my, my youngest son is two months older than my grandson. <laughs> so, with that being said, with that being said, um, you know, um. I wish I could have ha- had those conversations with my now 18 year old, right. but she was just taken too soon. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, through custody stuff, you know, you know how it goes. Sometimes yeah. you just can't reach out to them based on the mother and stuff like that. But, um, with my youngest daughter, I think that conversation is coming at some mm-hmm. point, but I like the fact that she wants to get out there and earn a dollar, earn a buck. And right. here's another thing about Denver, Colorado. Um, I've never cut my grass. Uh, it's a kid next door. Uh, knocked on my door, my exact next door neighbor, he knocked on my door and said, hey, Mr. Lawson, do you mind if I cut your grass and do your backyard? And I'm like, well, how much you charge for that? He's like, I'll do 25 for the whole thing. I'm like, well, I'm gonna give you 45. All right, uh, because that's a lot of stuff that you're doing. He he came, This summer he came over faithfully, right. got our grass and all that type of stuff. Did that for the neighbors. He's outside washing cars. This kid is 16 years old. Uh, about two months ago, I walked out the door with my daughter, Got a new Dodge, not a new, but he got a Dodge Ram sitting there, and that's just his. He 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 just has his learn. He just has his learners. He worked all summer for that. My daughter sees that. Uh-huh. That's the that's what I want my the mental I want her to have. I'm gonna right. work for this. I'm gonna get mine, and when I get it, ah, it's mine. You can't say it's not mine. Right, right. We differ on this, sure. Uh, but you don't believe that you can force your kids into success. No. Um, I, my, my, so I, uh, I have a degree, elementary education. I minored in psych. Um, I don't think that p- parents can, parenting is manipulation. You know, you, uh, tell your kids all these great things. You tell them like, oh yeah, you gotta do this, gotta do that. And at the end of the day, they still have to fight their own battles. You know? Right. Um, I don't think you can force them to do anything because at a certain age you start to realize I- I'm my own person. Mm-hmm. And, one thing I have learned, kids don't like to do what their parents tell them to do. It's just natural. Like it's just one of those things. Even if they're a good kid, they want to buck a little bit. So if I tell my child, "Hey, you should do this. You should go into photography," using that as an example, they're pro- they're probably going to be like, "Well, no, I probably want to write stories." You know what I mean? Tiger Woods, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, the, the Williams sisters. Michael Jackson's relationship with his father was some poop. The Williams sisters had a great relationship. Janet Jackson. Didn't have a great relationship with her father. I'm just speaking about kids who started early and were pushed. They did. To be successful. Now, look at the caveat. As a kid. Would you rather have an unsuccessful child or would you rather have an unsuccessful child in that relationship? Tough question. I'm ready for it. Or a... (laughs) An extremely successful child that you're proud of, and maybe you can mend that relationship later on down the line. I want a happy child. I want Happiness a, is a fleeting feeling. Though. It is. It is. 
I want what I want for my children. I want them to be the best of what they want to do. Mm. My mother said a crazy thing when I was a kid. Craziest thing that, and my mother's a good, wholesome Christian woman. I grew up around drug dealers. I grew up, that's all they knew. A lot of them are dead now, a lot of, you know, jail, what have you. And a lot of my family members, not my direct family, but my grandfather's brothers and their kids ended up, you know, living the street life. They moved out to Baltimore and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And my mother was like, if you're going to follow in that path and be a drug dealer, goddamn it, you better be Rayful Edmonds. That's what she said. Blew my mind. I was like, huh? <laughs> Her point was, whatever you're going to do, be the best at it. Because I can't control what you do. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't want to have that control because then you're going to, because it might not be what you're made for. Like all of us men want our kids to be an NFL or NBA star, right? That's what, that's what we do. What we can do is we can put the ball in their hands. And like like right now I was telling you that, uh, you know, my, with my uh, youngest, my, my baby, he's, he's, he just turned one. I'll be going to the basketball court. I'll turn his stroller around. He'll watch me shoot jumpers all day. You know, so I'm trying to mentally, like, that's that manipulation. Right. I'm trying to put it right. in his head that this is, this is, this is it. If he enjoys basketball, then I'm going to be like, yes, and we're going to push it. If he all of a sudden says, Daddy, I think I want to play the violin. I'm going to ask him why. Are you sure you want to quit on this? And that he could be the number one eighth grader in the country. I know that, that sounds crazy, but if he wants to play the violin and, and, and be in the whatever in the New York orchestra, what have you, I value his happiness over anything. Like, I'm going to ask you a question. John Morant and all the stuff he's going through. All right. I think he was pushed into basketball. He's a successful basketball player, but I, I don't like looking at his old Facebook posts. I don't think he really wanted to be. He wanted he just be real. He wanted to be a gangster, right? That's what he wanted to be, right? His parents kind of got him out of that life, what have you. But here's the thing: is that brother? He's happy? like a four hundred million dollar yeah. gangster now. But is he happy? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But do the best with what you have. Do the best with what you have. I so we talked about this and we be, we both believe that fathers belong in a home, right? Mm-hmm. You talk about your grandfather, mm-hmm. how you saw how much of a family man he was and how he took care of his family that led you to being a single dad and now married and taking care of multiple children, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and a grandbaby. Yes, a grandbaby, <laughs> right? So there's some there's some importance to just rearing your child in a in definitely a direction of some sort. Definitely. It doesn't matter if when they get older, they're off your hands anyway. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you you rear them. But when I look back, my high school years, best of my life. I didn't think of it of it that way in high school, right? Right. Um a lot of kids were forced to to to, to play sports they didn't want to play. And I see it all the time. Like I said, this is the psych part of me out of coming out. I see it all the time where they're just not happy individuals. They may be successful. Is it about what you want to do or what's good for you? One of my good friends, I'm going to bring him out there. One of my good friends is Delonte, Delonte West. Got to say it. <laughs> one of my good friends. That man wasn't happy playing basketball. He, I hate to say it this way. I think he's happier now. He's not in a good situation. You you don't look at it that way, but he seems very content with what it's like. Like he's so you would be okay with your kids being bums. I, I, I would I would hate it mentally. I would do my best to try to get them out off of that. But right. if they're content with their life, see, my whole thing is be content with your life. Right, it's your life to live. I don't have to live your life. Right. I would love to see my children be billionaires, but I don't have to live their life. You understand what I'm saying? Right. They have to live their life because. We even talk about this. Money doesn't make you happy. Money doesn't. 
not make you happy. Success sometimes doesn't make you happy. No, I, I think we're definitely uber driven by just being the best at everything, right? That's yep. like an American, it's an thing. American thing. And the percentage of happiness here low. is low, low in comparison to every other country in the world. Yep. I, I don't want to break feelings, but everybody in this country has a therapist. Even I, even I have a therapist. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with therapy, though. There's nothing wrong with it, but did your, grandf- did your parents have therapists? Did your grandparents have therapists? Uh, I hate when we do that because the way of living now is we're so connected. Just that alone can cause stress that wasn't available when our parents and grandparents were around. Fair enough. Uh, the company that I work for, the company that I met you with, we're not right. going to uh, slam them. Yes, please don't say. <laughs> Come on. But, but this uh, pod just got good. Right. right. But because uh, uh, they because if, if y'all want to sponsor this. No, no, we not. No, <laughs> but um, the company that we work for, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I made a lot of money with that company. Uh, my last job at that company, I was making well over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. Um, and I needed therapy to get through that company day to day. Um, I'm on my own now. I don't see my therapist anymore. When. <laughs> like I was leading that. I'm so, doing what I want to do. <laughs> so when when you were at that company, that's when I first noticed that you were into photography. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that when a bug hit you or uh so I could tell you about that story a little bit. So what I used to do was I used to take a lot of photos on my uh iPhone. Um and uh there were some couple of photo editing apps like Snapseed back in the day that people used to use to kind of enhance them. So I take a photo edit it that way and I'll just show people oh, this is my kids this is where I went this weekend blah 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 and somebody asked me oh, what kind of camera are you shooting with and I'm like I don't know iPhone 6 and it was like oh man I'm like you should be shooting with a brand new Nikon I'm like no nah, it's just my phone in my pocket right so uh, there was a young lady I used to work with I, I love her Dana Shoemaker hope she I, I'm gonna make sure I'm she bleeping all these names out oh you, you keep suck. name dropping <laughs> alright so bleep bleep bleeper <laughs> bleep bleep bleeper <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. That's the thing you have to do with podcast. Bleep, bleep, bleeper. <laughs> you can come up with another name. You saying they whole government and oh, everything? But, go- oh yeah, that's right. I that's mean, right. come okay. on now. So bleep, bleep. So, so, um, so, uh, Kim Kard- so Kim Kardashian. Um, oh my god. <laughs> so uh, uh, she bought this camera, mm-hmm. and uh, you were there at work that day. And uh, she she brought this camera, and uh, she was like, "Oh, Amazon has a good deal." This is when Amazon, it was Amazon, but it wasn't the same Amazon. Like, you like, uh, you know, we were like, I'm still kind of ordering from a website. It's having UPS and FedEx. Right. I'm like, let me get on that same deal. So I um, I uh, got the camera, started shooting, and then, uh, you know, shooting with my kids. And then uh, another employee named Bleep Bleep Bleeper. Um, <laughs> Just, <laughs> he, uh, he, he actually went to school for photography. Right. And, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a falling out, so hopefully he can see this and we can talk. But, um he got me into photography. He taught me some things. We went on this photo shoot together and, uh, you know, he had his nice camera to p- cost money. I had mine that cost maybe a couple hundred dollars, mm-hmm. shot these models and, you know, they like my stuff. And I'm like, really? Me? Are you sure? And, uh, me and him started working together and, you know, I started upgrading my equipment and I'm like, man, it just happened. And, uh, I used to draw when I was a kid, but then I used to think that was lame. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I wanted to, uh, get back into something that's artsy. Right. And I love, I've always been a fan of a good photo, even before I even thought about taking photos myself. Cause I didn't even know what a DSLR was eight, seven years ago. Didn't have an idea of what that phrase meant. Mm-hmm. So 
basically started taking pictures. Then, you know, it starts getting good when people are starting to pay you for their pictures. So you're like, oh, man, make money off of this. Right. And uh, that's kind of where it started. And I uh, started doing some events and stuff with Bleep Bleep Bleeper. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and uh, the money started coming. Then I started doing the math on this. I'm like, if I did this full time, I can make some money. But, you know, you still have your day job. You got your kids to take care of. And, you know, maybe the savings isn't where it needs to be for you to kind of jump into it full-fledged mm-hmm. uh and uh leading up to right before covid i got to the point where god god i was like man i'm ready to, to leave uh the evil empire and just do this full-time i you know i got a studio out there and stuff like that and you know i had almost thirty thousand dollars in deposits for the summertime I'm like man this, this is gonna be a good because i you know if, if i got thirty thousand i take 50 percent deposit that means i got this coming in this summer i'm like oh man i can do this full-time and then you know um the Popeye's chicken sandwich came out and COVID changed the world. <laughs> like, like, you know, the world just changed. Because <laughs> yeah, you know when that chicken sandwich came out, that's when... You emphatically talk about COVID. Yeah. I believe that <laughs> you weren't alone as as along with a, a many a people, right? Mm-hmm. The world who had time to sit down and think. Right. So, yes, the, the job that you had at that time was a lot of pressure. Yeah. But I also believe that that job led you to meeting it did. It your did. partner I, at that time, right? The, the, the job, everything that that company has done, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm not really going to shame them or, or badmouth them. Even the studio that we're in now, right? the partnerships that I have here was based on that job. So <laughs> I know. You're, you're saying that everyone has a therapist, but I think what happened was is we slowed down. Mm-hmm. We all that. slowed down, and and when you start to slow down and take a look around, you start to find out that you have things that don't really serve you. Yeah. There's no value mm-hmm. here. Some of your friendships aren't real friendships. Some of your business partners are lazy. Yep. <laughs> right. And now, <laughs> right, all that traveling that happened with you and your wife. Now you're here in Colorado, and. We're in a beautiful studio. How did how did this come about? So the company that I was with, uh, I wanted to be on their media team. Uh, mm. I've been trying to be, like, even when I was there back in the day, and here's what they kept telling me. Um, we need you to go to school right. for photography. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> I don't need to. YouTube can, te- I'm giving a, 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 some facts here. YouTube can teach you everything you need to know about photography. It's just now, do you want to do it? Yeah, you know what I mean, do you have? Because I put in maybe six months worth of just watching YouTube. I'm talking about six months total of just watching YouTube and learning my crafts and what I need to do. So outside of your workout, outside of the workout, outside of raising your kids. Yeah. So, so instead of me going to school for photography, I went to YouTube and I followed other photographers and I watched what they did. Watched all of their videos, hours and hours and hours of videos, and I, that's where I got to me. Right. Now, so, so but the company that I work for I almost slipped and said their name. The company that I work for <laughs> uh, said you, you can't be on that media team because you don't have certificates or degrees in this field. Whatever. Um, through some connections at that job, they were doing a um, photo and video shoot here mm. for um, a Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and they booked the studio. Um, I came and uh, the person who was the story was being told. She worked in my department. And um, 
we shot it here. And she said, hey, I want you to come along because just, you just did my graduation for I want you to come along to be a part of this. I want you to meet some of the stuff because she's a great networker. Like, she's the best network I've ever met in my life. Um, and uh, she was like, I, I, you can just meet these people and shoot with them and stuff like that. So I came along, started talking and, you know, looking to see what they did. And the owner of the, the, uh, owner of the studio was like, you know, this is my, you know, you know, now he's like, all right, I could probably get business from him. Right. Uh, you know, right. Based based on that alone. Yeah. Cause at that time he doesn't know what I'm doing for that company. He just sees me with the media company. And of course I, 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 I dropped some monster photos too. So that's just not, that's just not, video. <laughs> that's just not, you know, but, um, and then, um, you know, well, preparation uh, prepar- meets opportunity. Yeah. So a few, like a month later, he hit me up and said, Hey, um, they, they these people can't pay you. But uh, they need some video work for this fashion show. I thought of your name. If you want to come do it, by all means, you have free access to come do it. Huh. Uh, so I was like, heck yeah. Heck yeah, I'll, I'll come do it. So I went, did their fashion show. Um, they had other photographers, videographers. There. I'm like, you know, I got to get my stuff to them right now. So they got to see my work first. So I put that video out. Mind you, I'd never shot a fashion show a day in my life. This video. I never shot a fashion show a day in my life. And the video was turned fun. out well. Turned out, yeah. Turned out great. And uh, he kept inviting me. Then through that, some of the people that he was having, like, I would like to hire you for your services. And then, you know, studios being studios, it's always good to have investors. Um, you know, we talked, two month conversation about, you know, is there a chance we can kind of work together? So, you know, me, I, I need something in return. I need some kind of compensation. I, I don't want to just be taking video and photos i want a rock i want i want something to say equity. hey yeah that's the word i'm looking for okay. equity in it so we discussed it met with some attorneys and you know he's still majority right but you know i'm uh, you know I'm, I'm the magic johnson of this with the, with the <laughs> commander uh, can i say magic johnson you can say what you <laughs> you can say what you want no, he's, he's, he's you know he's, he, he just ventured, ventured into the, with the commander's deal so i'm not a majority but i i have stake now nice. um and um through that relationship with my old company, I, I was able to meet a new relationship, a new partner. And from here, it's just blown from there. Yeah. I think we both have a similar stories when it comes to the company we work for. We were in uh, lower tier positions <laughs> on a different side of the company. And to get over the corporate, corporate, there just wasn't a way. No. Right. So we persisted, we persisted, we tried their way. And then eventually, we made a way out of no way, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that everybody can do that? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I know this supposed to be uplifting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. So here, 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 we also keep it real too. Yeah. Here's what. I, so my wife, she's. I will bring her up in this. She's told me, I'm not a boss. I'm a worker. I don't want to manage anybody. I don't. I don't want to be responsible for the next person I'm a worker. And that's what she, and she's okay with that. And, um, when you start thinking out of it on a psychological level, if everybody could be rich, they just would. Hmm. Um, uh, I, I might go off a beaten path a little bit. I don't want to, but you know, we got time, right? Um, so that you have people that are logical. You have people that have common sense. You have people that only have one of the two. You have people that have both. And you have people that have neither of the two, unfortunately. All right. A person with common sense that lacks logic, those are your millionaires. I'm going to say it again. A person with common sense that lacks logic, those are your millionaires. Because here's what they're going to do. They're going to think about what they're going to do. 
they're not going to make the dumb mistake, but they're going to go all in when the logic says you shouldn't be doing this with what you have. People that have logic and no common sense, smart as hell, but never make it out, but never make it to the next level because there's too much logic there. They're thinking too much. Well, do you logically feel that maybe you are withholding your daughters from Uh becoming entrepreneurs because you know the stress and struggles that you've been through to get to where you're at now? Um, I don't think so. For me, I just want them to have their path. And I want like, I want them to develop to develop their logic and their common sense. And if they have, and here's the thing, if you have both, you're not going to be poor. You might not be rich, but you're going to live a good life if you have logic and common sense. Ooh. And that's where I think I fall with the logic and common sense. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. Sometimes I wish I just had only common sense because then I would just run, I would just go in everything and I'd probably be rich. Right. You know what I'm saying? So. But our, our culture, I feel, doesn't, is now getting to that, and I feel that we we uh, overextend on one end and bring down another when we do it, right? Because yes. now then there's women empowerment to all black women. Yeah. Right? Go exactly. get your bag. Go do what you got to do. And it seems as if culturally uh, a lot of fathers, we don't want that for our daughters, but I feel that you will push your son in a different direction. I, I, I'm probably going to get um, smited for this, but uh, you cannot, just like you cannot treat every person the same way, you cannot raise your kids the same. They're not the same. They're different individuals. Um, I would like, what, like, how can I say this? It's a different world that we live in now, and I believe anybody can do anything. That's all. I get that out right now. I believe anybody can do anything. <laughs> Are you shooting yourself some bail? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I'm calling the bail bondsman. Anybody can do anything. However, however, um, <laughs> your daughter, if you're, if you're a father, mm-hmm. it's daddy's little girl. It's normally mama's boy, but it's daddy's little girl. Um, and if some little knucklehead boy at, wants to wants to take my fourteen year old daughter to go shopping with this little change, oh baby, where are you trying to take you? Oh man, daddy got more money than him. Come ride with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. You're, right. you're gonna do that for your daughter. You're just gonna be overprotective. Yeah, right. Your sons, we've we've all we've we've all grown. We've all like your sons. Sons are a little bit, boys just are just, it's just, a, they're naturally different in most cases. They're going to want to go with their friends regardless, because at some point you're going to have to look your son in the eye and, and remind him that you are the father. Mm. I am still the man of my house. If you don't want to abide by that, you can go. Whereas your daughter is probably not going to try to be the revolving door. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing. And, and let's, right. take, let's take it back to the streetlight thing. My mother used to tell me when the streetlights come on, come home. Right. You know, as a little boy, I got another hour and a half. I'll deal with that punishment. My mom really can't hurt me. Mm. My dad could, but he wasn't around. My mom really can't hurt me. So I'll stretch that. Whereas, and I know I have young boys. They're going to they're gonna push that. Right. I see it in my neighborhood now. Little boys be out a little longer than little girls. When them streetlights come on, and my daughter, if my daughter ain't, if I can't see my daughter, before the sun hits that mountain here in Denver, yeah. oh, I'm looking for her around the neighborhood. 
I'm sorry. It's just, that's just the way it is because boys, we typically run in packs. You have your leader of the pack. You have your dumb one. And then maybe you fall in between that. <laughs> Whereas girls typically don't run in packs like that. So we speak, I speak of culture. You didn't speak of culture. But I'm do, sorry. But do you think we have culture as black people? Yes. We, uh, unfortunately. Do you think we have a black male hating culture? Because yeah. you said, yeah. when you mentioned your father, you mentioned how the stories that were told to you about him were, you know what? We'll take care of it. And I've heard that in our culture more than many. I mean, obviously I'm around mm-hmm. black people more growing up, but I haven't really heard that too much outside of us. I know it happens. Not you speak on it. But do you think we have a black male Hating culture. I, I yes. I, 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 when I sit back and I think logically about this, I, I believe we do. Uh, I believe that um, the American black male trying to find its place in America has always been a struggle. Um, you know, we don't know where we really came from. All we ha- only culture we have is the American culture that's given to us. So. Me and you are as American as was it apple pie? Yes, you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right, right. You know, uh, but homegrown, homegrown. But we we never want to see it that way. But the fact is, we, this is this is our country. This, this is our country. Yeah. But then, a lot of things did happen to us in the past, which caused things to kind of go awry and kind of you know conflict things. But right. uh, um, I I do think that based on the way a black boy is supposed to, is supposed to be raised into a man yeah it does put a lot of hate and shame on black men as a whole when nobody looks at the statistics that there are more black fathers that know their children than any other race i'm gonna say that uh in this country we take care of our kids more than anybody else but the narrative isn't that so do you feel that fear has been more of a motivator for you as a black man than actually wanting to succeed i would say i don't think i don't think it's fear i think it's more or less wanting it's more or less not wanting to let my forefathers that paved the way for me to get the education that i did there uh bring it back to my grandfather third grade education that's as far as he got (sighs) grandmother 11th grade education as far as he got she got Uh, my grandfather was a tobacco farmer Maybe a moonshiner, food later. But uh, my uh, my grandmother, this is gonna this is gonna trip you out. You know what her name is? Her name is Nanny. Her biological her maiden name, Nanny Sue Dunn. And you know what she did as a as a job when the kids were at school? She was a nanny. Huh. Nanny Sue got it done. That's what was. That's where my that's where my roots came from. She's now Nanny Sue Lawson, obviously. But um, you know. I didn't like they worked so hard for my little black tail to be where I'm at. So why so why not try to be the best person that I can be just based on seeing what well, I didn't get to see it obviously yeah. cuz you know you know that was too too old too you know too young but that's where it came from. You know, so I think that's part of my drive. I I I can't disappoint my grandfather. I I knew him for 11 years. I called him Dede uh because I didn't you know, my father. So <laughs> right. I called him Dede. And he was 
the world to me. So, do you ever think you'll be enough? No, I don't think I'll be enough. Like, I don't think. You think you'll ever do enough? No, not enough time. Mm. Not enough time. Uh, I, if, I, I'm not going to climb Mount Everest. I want to. Uh, you know, but no. all right. I think there's a little. I think there's a little bit of fear. It's definitely. Oh well, no, it's not fear. It's it's uh fear of failure. No, no, no. It's it's it's, it's can my body hold up? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if I if I had the money to spend a million dollars on my body like LeBron James, I think I'd do it. <laughs> so now you're here in the studio. You've done a couple photo shoots, right? You've got some equity. Things are going well. Have you had any challenges? Oh, every day. Every day, man. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, when you have to. So every morning I look and see anybody book. What's going on? Yeah. Oh, nobody's booking today. So now I got to get on the phone like I was, you know, at prior companies and make those calls. Call those people like, hey, yes, you got you got this shoot, you, you know, what's going on? Call these companies like, hey, I see your brand. What can I do to, you know, you know, have you ever thought about doing this for your brand? Have you ever thought about adding this to your brand? So it's one of those things that every day, um, it's uh, definitely, definitely tough, you know. But but here's the catch: I enjoy doing it. Mm. Um, I, you enjoy cold calling? No, no, I enjoy. <laughs> I enjoy controlling my own money. Uh, I looked at stat sheet of how much I made the company that I work for in my little sector, made that company millions and I got less than 5% of it. (laughs) You know? And now you have your own studio. Now I have my own studio. So whatever comes in here, I get a bigger, I get a bigger portion of that. And uh, we just had a big, big corporation shoot here today as we were setting up, you know, and that stuff like that. I signed right, right when that came along. Do you ever have anybody try to offer you uh, things outside of payment? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I don't accept that, though. (laughs) Only time I accept something is if, like, all right, so if it's a scenario like, I don't know, I'm just going to give a a, a blanket example. If, like, a, a tire company was like, hey, we can give you, I see you got a Jeep. And I see you trying to customize it. We can give you these new tires that cost twenty five hundred for your Jeep if you can just take some photos. I definitely do that. Like, I was I, talking about physical intimacy. Oh man, uh, you, you say that as my wife walked in, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no. Uh, have I had that? Yes, I have had that. And uh, how do you handle when people come on to you on photo shoots? So my thing with models, your models, your business. Um, I don't look into it. Like you know, you can be Beyonce and try to give it up if you're business you're business you're not i, I i've never seen um i never i've never mixed what's that phrase don't stick your pen in corporate ink i've never mixed that business I, and pleasure yeah I, I've, I've never mixed that because i've seen what it does to mm-hmm. everything um and it's just not worth it so um i see what most people will say a pretty face as a number you know and and that number is what can you do for me financially? Now there are there are certain models that I'm like, all right, because of your look, and I ha- and I have been dry this week or this last two weeks, and I haven't put any content out for people to see. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a shoot with this kind of concept. You understand what I'm saying? And then what that'll do is that'll bring in more clientele. But that's just your offer, and I also, and I tell them that you if you tell somebody about that, we're never shooting again. To you, we, you paid for the shoot. The reason being is because I need. 
them to know that everything is paid for. But I do sometimes you do have to get some content out there right. and what have you. So, so you're here. Wife's here. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> uh, last question is, um, what's next? So, I actually like this studio idea. Um, I'm not really, um, not maybe not thinking on the grand scale of Tyler Perry, but um, uh, I do believe that businesses like this in your major cities, um, they have value. And I want to be able to bring more stuff like this to other places so that people can come in, you know, and maybe just feel like, feel like a model for a day. Because what we have here, we have a team of professionals that will do your makeup, that will do your, that will be your stylist. Like they do, they will do everything here for you. I want to open more stuff like that because sometimes the average person just wants to feel like, you know, they're a superstar. Huh. And I want to do this in more cities. So that's, a, that's what I think the long-term uh, goal is. Um, and of course I want to also, promote the promote myself for black business you know uh pretty much everybody that has their hand in the studio is not for lack of better terms white <laughs> i hate to say it that way but you know we're, we're, we're so all you want to diversify yeah yeah we're, we're all minorities in this and yeah. you know we're here to put that to, to give that to people so to say well i appreciate your time dion yes sir uh from dc to dc Keep it up, lifting. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) Woo! When you feel like this, when you feel out hits. When you fly as a bitch and you ride with tits, so you ain't bothered a bit now, baby. <laughs> fresh out the airport, fresh out the chair with the clippers, like Sean Lippin', thinking, mm, I'm trying to get it like Sean get it. If Lord giveth a meal and a milk like skin it, it's slight blemishes in life system, but I'm giving the foundation when I write lyrics. That Anvil night heart minus bright knickers, maybe not quite the star, but my heart's in it. <laughs> when Bret Hart meet Bret Favre, a sharpshooter well exceeding any figure fall. You see my figure. I want to thank you guys for listening. Please be sure to check out the site, keepituplifting.com, to stay in touch with all of us here at the podcast. We would love to hear from you, especially myself, the main host, but we would love to hear from you. Any topics you would love to talk about, 